The Washington Commanders head to the West Coast to take on the Seattle Seahawks, and we bring on former Seattle Seahawks legendary middle linebacker Mofa Tatupu to help us break down this game. Let's go. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Ref the District's Game Preview. I'm Nathan Perry. That's the stoner here on the Believe Network. Washington entering this game as absolute dogs, stoner. Mm. Just absolute dogs. Uh, current line set nearly at a touchdown. And if you yeah. believe Washington's going to win, which, by the way, 70% of us on Ref the District's poll, over 1,600 votes so far, think Washington has a chance. Well, maybe you got to head over to Bet Online or open up the mobile app so you can do it right from your phone. Use the code BELIEVE. So you can get a welcome bonus as well. And maybe put your money where your mouth is there. That's bet online that you can bet on the NFL, UFC, college football, basketball has started as uh, Iowa. Caitlin, man, she's doing some big numbers. You got all that right at your fingertips with bet online. Just make sure you use the code believe for your welcome package. Stoner. Yes, sir. Washington coming into this game and i think that people are starting to get really really excited about sam howe and washington turning the corner as the conversation has kind of you know two weeks ago you know they had a bad loss they go into and then they go into the eagles they end up losing against the eagles but all of a sudden we beat the patriots and i feel like a lot of people are already kind of riding high now. They see that mm. there's this open window here. This is November where Ron Rivera puts it all together. Yeah. How can they continue that being as big of a dog as they are to the Seahawks? Uh, I mean, it's crazy to think of how we're feeling at this game before or compare it to how we were feeling before the Patriots game when we were not as high or a few weeks before that. It's, it is pretty crazy how just as fans in general, we, get so up when our team wins and think we can do some damage. And then when, when we lose, we think that uh, we'll never win another game, which both could be true, but man, we go through these emotions so much, but uh, I mean, Seattle's coming off a terrible loss. Washington's coming off a win and somehow we're still six point dogs going out to Seattle. It's a little bit disrespectful in my opinion, but look, this is, this game, Nathan, is not only the biggest game of the year, this is the biggest game for right now of Ron Rivera's tenure here in Washington. This game right here could decide his future here in Washington. Now, I think almost no matter what, he's going to be gone. But just imagine, <clears throat> excuse me, if he wins this game, he wins next game, which is the Giants. Very feasible that they win that game. That's three in a row. That's four out of five. And so above 500. You're above 500. You're in the playoff talk. You're probably possibly in that seventh seed already. It's It could change the entire narrative of the, of the whole season. So that's how big this game is going up uh, against the Seahawks. It it's really is a big game because this actually gives them the – a win here gives them not only – a a 500 record and in the driver's seat, you know, towards that seventh seed, but it gives them a win over Seattle and Atlanta, two of their competitors for that mm -hmm. final seed sure. in the sure. NFC. But to do that, they're going to have to beat the Seattle Seahawks who are one of the mm -hmm. top 
you know, rushing team. So they're going to have to keep Sam Howell off of his back, which has been problematic early in the season, but he's only got four sacks over the last two games. Yeah. And then likewise, we just shipped away Montez Sweat and Chase Young. So, you know, KJ Henry had a, his first sack wiped out by a horrible pen, uh, penalty stoner. What are we going to mm-hmm. do about that? Yeah, it's obviously the game always comes down to again those guys in the trenches. You got to stop the run. You got to be able to run the ball. You want to get to their quarterback. You want to stop them from getting to our quarterback. They're very good at getting to the quarterback. So we've got to keep that same game plan that we've had the last two weeks. As you said, four sacks in the last two games. Keep that up. You're going to win a lot more games. You're going to have a lot more success on offense. But we've got to get to their quarterback. What is what is Geno's uh, his percentages? His numbers. When he gets out of the pocket, he's a dangerous dude. He's good. Got to keep him in the pocket, and you got to force him to make some throws that he doesn't want to make while he's stuck in that pocket. And you got to hit him, and you got to make him uncomfortable. And and it just that's the name of this particular game here. We got to get to their quarterback, and we've got to keep them away from our quarterback. Well, we'll have to ask our guests about roughing the passer penalties for sure, mm-hmm. as he has some experience with that himself let's welcome to ref the district lofa tatupu from take 12 the believe podcast for the seattle seahawks without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, Lofa, thanks for joining us here on Ref the District. Now, you missed the Pete Carroll you know, seasons in Seattle, but you have some experience with him in your USC days. Is it surprising to see still see him coaching out there, smacking his gum on the sidelines? No, not at all. And in fact, I actually, I made my last season in Seattle was Pete's first one here. Uh, okay. So we, yeah, we had the uh, dubious honor of being the first losing team to win a division and go to the playoffs. <laughs> and, and, and we won. And we yeah, won. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. We, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's not surprising. Uh, it's the guy I've, you know, said he's the Benjamin Button of coaching. He just keeps getting younger. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of crazy that he's he's still there. He's still been successful, and 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 some things we look at here in Washington that happens like with the locker room. We're always concerned about with a coach that's on his fourth year, hasn't really won a whole lot. Maybe he's losing the locker room, and we haven't seen any signs of that. But it's amazing that Pete has gone all these years, and obviously the players still just love him and respect him, and he gets the most out of him and. I don't even, how old is he? Like 70? 72. What's it like playing for a guy like that who's just, just, you never, you never, you always respect him. You never lose that locker room when he's around. Yeah. No, it's really credit to, you know, him and John and the culture they've built, you know? And um, yeah, he's, he's a big kid. He really is. Like what you see is is, is who he is. So um, I think just being true to himself, he was the same way when I was down in, uh, you know, L.A. with the, the Trojans. And so um, I think it's refreshing to see that it wasn't just an act. This is really who he is. And that's why he has success because you, you got to be yourself because players in that locker room, they can see through bullshit. And so, 
I think that's the biggest key. And, um, and like I said, he's a big kid. So as more kids come in, it's just, you know, part of the family. So you're mentioning that he's true to himself and sometimes to the detriment of the team a little bit with his propensity to run the ball. On Washington's side, we have Eric ben- Eric Bienemy, who's true to himself, and he's a pass-the-ball kind of guy, which is strange given the, his running back history. What makes a coach, either Pete Carroll or Eric Bienemy in, in our case, kind of just get so into that we're, we're going to pass or we're going to run the ball? Yeah, and I know, you know we'd like to run the ball a lot more with the two running backs we have and Walker and Charbonnet. So I expect to see them get back to that. But we've had a tough slate the last two uh, weeks with the number one and number two defenses in Baltimore and Cleveland. So, um, you know, I think they've had great success in doing what they do. And so that's why they stick with it. And, you know, um, because I know it's got to be, you know, new for a lot of commander fans. Like, oh, we're just going to air it out every single down, especially when you got two great running backs, you know, with Gibson and uh, um, Robinson. So, um, but I think, you know, he's utilizing their skill set too. They can catch out of the backfield. They're, they're great running backs. Um, but the, the main point is they've had success, you know, for a number of years doing what they do best. And so I think with the personnel they bring in and, and everything, that, that's why they stick with uh, what they know. Hey, uh, Lofa, the topic du jour in the NFL, at least around here especially, is this whole roughing the passer issue that, and especially we had it last week where it was just a crazy one. As a as a linebacker yourself, what what is your kind of idea of how they're handling the NFL is handling the roughing the passer rule nowadays? It's total bullshit. Uh, <laughs> Love I, it. Sorry to be honest and frank. Hey, that's great. But like, hey, you know, I understand. Yeah, we don't want penalties. I mean, we don't want injuries. You know, mm-hmm. like they're vulnerable because they're not looking. They're looking eyes downfield, and you got a three hundred pounder come hit you. That's not fun for anybody. But this is why they get paid the big bucks. So, and they're the ones that get all the commercials. They got all the perks, man. So like, can we just, can we just tee off on them once? But I think it's really hard. You know, I saw one, um, we had one, I think uh, it was either last week or against the Bengals where um, our our D-line just, he had a D-line right at the quarterback and he hit him underneath in the designated area, pretty much the chest. But, you know, it was like, a step too late but when you're running full speed i'm going as hard as i can to get there in time and like you can't take that element and make it guesswork now in the d lineman's head because he's still got a 300 pounder hanging on to him holding him and now we're exposed to injuries so it's just um i'd like to see it be reviewable as annoying as that is to fans mm-hmm. i understand because it'll slow the game down but this is costing people games and this mm-hmm. is giving first down 15 yards and a first down in crucial moments. So, uh, you know, I, I'd like to see a reviewable because it's bullshit, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> and it's well, costing we, them money too, right? I mean, when you get oh, the, uh, they, the you fines. Get fine afterwards, yeah. They will fine us for anything. A uniform, not it's up to the dress. wearing the mode. right socks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's just like, it's a little ridiculous. Yeah. The uh, Seattle Seahawks have been getting after the quarterback pretty well this season. And Sam Howell, early on had been struggling with getting taken down. Although over the past two games, he's only taken down one in the three times. So two times per game. What is Seattle going to do to fluster the young quarterback and and put him on his backside the way that they have done all season? 
Well, I think we're going to have to get after it with just our front four. Uh, I don't think you can overcommit and blitz too much with how many receiver threat, receiving threats you guys have. That's a stacked room. Um, so, and we have a great secondary. It's probably one of our strengths, along with you know getting after the quarterback. Uh, we lost Chenoweth. Some guys had to step up because you know he was our sack leader last year and one of our leaders on the team. But this kid Boye Mafe, he's got six consecutive games with a sack Ooh. and. The crazy part is he could have had multiple sacks in the last three games. Um, one got brought back by a bullshit penalty, rough, you know, and then another one, um, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's getting the holding calls. So while it doesn't show up on the stat sheet, it's meaningful and putting other teams behind the sticks. Um, Daryl Taylor is a monster. Uh, the young kid, Derek Hall, is going to be special. And then we just added, you know, Leonard Williams at the trade deadline. So that's a big key. I, I expect to see him, you know, get after it too. But those guys have to provide the pass rush. If we overcommit or overpressure, there's just too many threats and too much space for, for those, you know, McLaurin. Is Samuels back? Curtis Samuel should, should be, be back. He's been right. practicing. Yeah, of course. Everybody gets healthy to see us. <laughs> um, and then Dotson, I, I can't believe he doesn't see more targets. I hope he doesn't see many targets this week. But every time I look up when he does get eight to ten, you know, targets, it's a hundred yards and a touchdown. And so, yeah. um, and then Logan Thomas in the middle. It's it's impressive what you guys got over there. Well, I'm I'm with your co-host Brett on wanting Dotson to uh, get a lot more target share, as I also have him on my fantasy yeah. team. So it'd be <laughs> nice to you know get rewarded a little bit. Oh man, yeah, he's got an internal struggle right now about should he start him, and he's like, because I know if I don't start him, he's gonna go off. But if I do and he goes off, then I'm just conflicted. So I was yeah. like, hey, good luck, buddy. <laughs> kind of piggybacking off of uh, the sacks talk. And, and I like your perspective, being a defensive guy, being a, a linebacker. What sort of psychological advantage is that knowing, knowing at least ahead of time, looking at film and all that, that, hey, we can get to this quarterback and we can cause a problem for the, uh, the opposing team's offense? Uh, you know, what kind of psychological advantage is that going into a game? Yeah, I know for me, you know, I would I would base it all off of can they protect him and like does he read hot? Does you know that's where I got a lot of my interceptions is knowing that okay, if he sees the blitz and they're gonna pick it up, but he's still gonna get pressured, I can jump, be stickier in the route. And like I think a lot of I don't know if many guys think like that these days. It feels like they're all out of just sit back, read and react. But I would know where the hot is. I would I would, you know, you know, sneak over, maybe fake the blitz and then get right to the number three receiver um, based on his own pressure. And I think it, it does. It can get, you know, uh, it's a sizable advantage when you're not staying off and you know that if, you, if your four-man rush is getting there, it's a huge advantage. Well, while we're talking about the linebacking uh, aspect of it from your heyday to now, it seems like linebackers have kind of be you know, have been devalued a little bit. Maybe that's a little bit Washington bias as our two defensive coaches who are linebackers uh, only trot out two linebackers a lot of the time. What do you think about the kind of switch there with the defense and linebackers not necessarily being the the, the thumpers that they were in past and now more of a coverage guy? Yeah, no, the game's definitely shifted. I mean, we're seeing three and four wide receiver sets as, you know, as the, the base, that's their package, what they're going to roll out there. So you have to give yourself a chance to, to, to match up with nickel or dime. Um, maybe, and I've seen a lot of, you know, teams, they got like the hybrid linebacker or safety. We kind of use Jamal Adams in that way, where if they're going to put out four wide receivers, 
Bobby will stay out there with Jamal, and then we'll have three safeties with Julian Love and then Diggs over there. So now he's playing that role, kind of like Deion Grant did it for us back in the day. Uh, he also did it with the Giants. And so um, you, you have to be able to adjust with the times, and that's really where the game's gone. Um, that's why I was like, I would just get big and just run. Like I would just, I would see what they're made of, you know, kind of yeah. like what Baltimore kind of did to us. And also with the run pass option, you have to have faster guys, you know, I'm not sure. I don't even know if I could play today's game. <laughs> and Lopi, you brought up Baltimore and, and Baltimore, you know, they're a heck of a team, but I mean, 37 to three last week over Seattle. What uh, I like the psychological game. You can probably tell here, but what does that do to a team the next week? Does should Washington be aware of Seattle's kind of their mental state of we, we're that's not who we are. We we're pissed off and we need to show the NFL, the rest of the world, that that's not who we are. That you just you hit it on the head. I mean, yeah. there, there, no one's happy coming out of there. Um, not even the kicker that made the field goal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I guarantee you, it was a rough week of practice. You know, um, just kind of a, a reality check. Like, hey, it's not that we're not that good. Our roster is very talented. Baltimore, I got to give credit to them because even when I went back and watched the game, like there was nowhere to go with the ball. We couldn't run the ball. It was just suffocating defense. Uh, they made plays every time they had to, kind of like we were talking about. Their four-man pressure got there. Three of their four sacks were four man, just four-man rush. Like they didn't send anybody else extra. So now you know you can jump the routes if, 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 uh, if he doesn't have time, and Geno didn't. And there was when they panned out and they showed the end zone copy, Everybody, there were there wasn't a single person open, not DK, Lockett, anybody. Um, and then you know, on the other side, defensively, I know those guys are pissed off. Luckily, we held them to like three field goals, or else it could have been in the 50s. That that's yeah. really like that's and so um, yeah, an ugly loss is gonna chalk it up as an anomaly. Baltimore just played out of their minds. They are a team that plays up to their competition and down to their competition. Just the week before, they almost got beat by Arizona. It was a lot closer than it looked. Um, and then I think the Colts strolled in there and, and beat them, which is very rare to, to have a home loss for them. So uh, we'll get back you know, on track this week. Sorry to tell you that, guys, but the boys are going to be pissed off. <laughs> well, one of those that should be pissed off is Geno Smith, because despite getting a big contract after a big year last year, he's kind of struggled this year. Now, some of that is, as you mentioned, Playing those AFC North teams, all very good defenses. Where is Geno's mindset this season? Because he he has some, you know, poor numbers. Only nine touchdown passes so far, seven interceptions. The yardage is down. He's just not seeming to have that season he had last year, and that's being that's being looked at right now as the anomaly. Yeah. I mean, Gino carried us last year, and I really I'm not worried about his mindset. That dude, he's a 10-year vet. And, you know, he fought for every chance he got. And then, you know, he made, you know, uh, great use of last year's opportunity. And he did. He got the big contract. It's, you know, Dino hasn't changed. You know, we are not really doing a great job of helping him. You know, uh, Cleveland, we were averaging 10 and a, or 8 and 10 yards with both of our running backs. We ran it like 11 times. It's, you know, like what, you got to do something to help him out. And uh, so there's a couple throws that were not great, not ideal. The Bengals, he had one interception in the red zone. Really, red zone's been our struggling point. And I think we just get a little too pass happy down there. Like, you've got two great running backs. You've got a good offensive line. Just, you know, I'm waiting to see. Well, Cleveland did it to us. 
first team I've seen all year line up in 23 personnel, two backs, three tight ends. And they just – Kareem Hunt walked into the end zone. He didn't even get touched. And so it's like, hey, like, you know, where where is that? Everybody's going shotgun and handing mm-hmm. the ball off five yards to get one yard. I just – I don't get it. Yeah. So, and I'm, obviously, I'm old now. I'm just old and I'm, you know, old man yelling at the clouds. But you're, you're preaching to the choir here. Stoner is very mm-hmm. much the same kind of mindset. We saw a wrinkle in Eric Benemy's offense pretty much for the first time this season. It was the I formation. What? With yeah, fullback. Like, what? Fullback <laughs> and everything, Lofa. Like, we were like, what is this? What is this? <laughs> what it was but, a crazy yeah, so, day. But with Gino, he's going to be fine again. I don't think anybody's been talking about it, but he faced the number one and the number two defense in back-to-back weeks mm. the week before, a top 10 defense in the Bengals. So, mm. um, you know, I the numbers are there other than touchdowns, and unfortunately the numbers are there for interceptions too. So I uh, he just has to protect the ball. And, and know that we do have the defense to give them more opportunities. And, and on defense, we have to get more turnovers. My last question for you, Lofa, can, can you believe the money these guys make nowadays? I mean, I mean, look, Lofa, I, I looked it up. You did all right. You did just fine when you, when you were playing. But some of the money these guys are making, these, especially the quarterbacks, obviously, you kind of wish you were born maybe 10 years later and, and, and played in this era with the money that's flowing now. No, because of my lack of speed. I don't know if I'd be playing. <laughs> I don't know if I would have made it to the NFL. Yeah. Hopefully I would have got that NIL money. Yeah, oh, that's, right. that's what NIL it is. Get that NIL but, money. But yeah, I'm good for them. I'm happy, you know, and that's just the way the times are. I'm sure, you know, years before uh, the veterans, when, when I, I got paid, they, they were saying the same. It's just the way it is. I'm just glad they found a way to restructure the rookie pool. And it's just because mm-hmm. that, that, that seemed a little absurd. Like when we drafted – or when the year after Walter Jones got his contract and another tackle would get, you know, twice what Walter just got after going to his like fifth or sixth straight pro bowl and on his way to a gold jacket. That that's where I was like, okay, what's going on here? Yeah. When you're paying Sam Bradford $70 million out the gate, that seems like there might be something wrong with that. I I can say that as an OU guy. So, but the, Lofa, I, you teased it a little bit earlier there, so we kind of know where you're leaning here, but how's this game going to go for Washington and Seattle? Honestly, I I feel like both defenses, uh, you know, they have their work cut out for them. You know, um, I, I, I mentioned that I don't believe that this is something where we can just bring pressure like we've done. Clint Hurts done a great job knowing when to bring pressure and when to just sit back and play coverage. Um they, you have too many weapons. And then even the check down can go for a first down with either of those running backs. So we must stop the run in order to, you know, make sure we're, we're good because that's the, the the biggest philosophy of Pete is no running and no explosive plays, no big passes. Um, so, I, and for, for our offense, we have to get the run game going. And I think it helps that, you know, you guys unloaded <laughs> young and sweat just in time. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but but you still got what Payne and Allen on the inside. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't know how, but we have to get a run game going because otherwise everything, we, we just struggle. We, and we're not a team that can play from behind. We have to keep it close or get out in front and then play great defense. Uh, so, you know, Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet, I'd anticipate maybe some outside zone just to stay away from the big guys in the middle um, and just, you know, test the edges. And then you guys – Sam Howell's been playing great. Uh, you guys got to be pleased with, uh, with with what you got there. And um, and I just go back to that that primetime game against the Bears. 
I watched that whole thing, and I was like, man, he was fighting to get out of pressures and running away from guys, and just it was a gutsy performance. And I know that's only you know galvanized that team as you lose two leaders in Sweat and Young, um, and but you still got McLaurin, Dotson, Samuels. <laughs> Pringle Brown. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A lot of speed for Washington. Not to say, I mean, you, you guys got DK and Lockett and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Smith and, uh, Jim, and Jim yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, you guys got a good wide receiver room as well. Watch out for one that's not so speedy. He ran a 4 9 40. Jake Bobo, undrafted oh. rookie. He's 6'5. Uh, he's got a couple touchdowns on the year. He's, um, he just, he has a way of running routes and like, you know, setting up and finding guys blind spots. So they think he's there. And the next thing he jukes and, and he pulls away and he gets separation. Um, I'd expect us to see, you know, use him a little more. All right. We'll keep an eye out for uh Bobo there. It's hard to lose a six foot five guy on the field, but I guess it does happen more often than not. Washington has led up many of those explosive plays as well. Yeah. So that will be something we'll be watching on our side. Lofa, you got a score prediction for this one? I think I went. I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. Um, you know, like I said, you guys present a lot of problems on offense, so um, I expect our boys to come out and play hard. But I got us Seahawks thirty-one, and I think Commanders. I, think I said twenty-seven. Wow, yeah. that's an over. I'm betting the over. <laughs> that is definitely an over. It's an over. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Of course, people can watch us live stream play-by-play and commentary right here on Ref the District. You can catch Lofa on the Take 12 podcast. If you want to hear things all about the Seattle Seahawks, they had Anthony Armstrong on for their preview. So, Lofa, we appreciate you jumping on here on Ref the District. We're presented by Bet Online. And until next time. Hey, Lofa's my brother in arms for Run the Damn Ball. Be a fan. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.